0: Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the live stream podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine and we have decided to get together to discuss the recent increase in violence towards people of Asian descent in the US and also address the recent murders of eight people that we know of least six of them are Asian women or women of Asian descent. Um, So we are together today with former guests of Militantly Mixed the podcast, uh, naturally Mona Lisa, Why don't you introduce yourself, everybody, or to everybody real
2: fast? (laughs) Hi, everybody. It's naturally Mona Lisa. I'm on YouTube. I'm also on Instagram, and I'm happy to be here. I am half Chinese and half Jamaican, and I'm excited to, you know, start this conversation and talk about, you know, actionable items about, you know, what's going on recently. Right.
0: Um, And then uh, in addition, we have Tiffany Lytle. Why don't you introduce yourself to everybody?
1: Hi, everyone. Thanks, Charmaine, so much for having me. Um, So I'm Tiffany Lytle. I am a singer, songwriter and a scholar um, as well in Asian-American studies and performance studies. Um, And you can find me on social media um, under just my name, Tiffany Lytle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I did just get a text from Asian. So she's in in traffic and she just got in. So she's about to connect here shortly. But we do have a panel of four women who identify as mixed Asian. And um, I am black, Japanese and white. And although I do have white in me, I don't actually have a white parent. I have two biracial half white parents. So I don't really feel like I can speak upon the white Asian experience, but I definitely feel like I can I can speak upon the the black Asian experience. Um, I guess first, let's start with just checking in. How has I mean, this has been a difficult year with COVID and the increased discussions around um, Asian responsibility for the pandemic. But then also we've been seeing increased attacks on our elderly community and some of our young folks, too. And then we have the shootings that happened in Atlanta this week. So I just want to check in with everybody first to see, like, are we in a good place to have this conversation today?
1: Um, yeah, I'm. I guess I'll go first. I just got out of two days of PhD exams and going into my very first exam. I, of course, you know, flipped through the news and hear um, about what happened in Atlanta and bawled for, you know, the first 30 minutes plus of my exam. And I am. I am ready to engage in these kinds of conversations, having been, you know, entrenched in history and theory and all of these things that I've been thinking about today. And actually, like today's exam, I started it off talking about that this experience of of learning about this horrible thing that happened. Right, so um, I am. I'm very interested in in hearing what other people are thinking about as they're going through this because these are kinds of things that I've been negotiating for a long time both academically and creatively. So
2: for me, I'm I've been feeling very tired. I feel like I've been talking about this since the beginning of the pandemic and I'm kind of glad it's finally getting traction on social media, especially last month with Lunar New Year. Uh, And I've seen more and more coverage on these hate crimes and all the stuff been going on in Asian community. So I'm just, I'm kind of glad, but at the same time, I'm just tired. Um, I'm just tired of the constant um calling out people educating people and all of that so so I'm just at a place of being tired like why aren't you educated about this you know and I'm just I'm actually more upset that I saw more discussion on Instagram which is a public space but I saw not much chat on Facebook Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking is it because of the people I'm friends with I don't know so I just find myself just going on little rants the past two days like why is no one posting about
0: this I don't understand <laughs> so right um, um oh I'm getting an echo uh like like you Tiffany I came to the news late and um I I work a day job and then I am working, I'm running my business at night and trying to work through the podcasting as well. And so I actually didn't learn about what happened until I think it was after lunch yesterday when I went to the bathroom and I had a minute to scroll on the phone, you know? Um, And when I saw that, I, I, you know, I'm in a workplace, I'm in a position where emotions aren't necessarily the best thing to have in that space. And so I had to try to lock it down in the bathroom before I go back out and, and engage with my co-workers. And all the while, I'm just thinking like, we just need a button that we can press. that's just like calling out Asian, calling out black today. Like I can't, I, I can't have I can't process what's happening out there while also trying to work my job and working in the field that I work in HR. Sometimes I get these really problematic questions or really problematic incidences. And yesterday was just not the day for me to educate or to assist anybody. And of course, with me being one of the only Asians, some of the people know that, um, that I work with uh, naturally ends up, it ends up coming up too. Like, Oh, Hey, you're Asian. And there's these Asians that are dead in this other city. What, how do you feel? Like, it's really not the education aspect of it is really frustrating. And so yesterday uh, when I got home, I did listen to Asian. So who's going to join us shortly. Um, and uh, Sonia Smith King speaking on, um, on the, the uh, uh, multiracial Americans platform. Hey, Hey, Sof. We're going to introduce you in a second. And uh, so I got to listen to to Asian Soph and, and Sonia speak about this, and and that was a good way to get started into talking about this for me. Is is that it was a you know a fellow Asian, a fellow mixed Asian, um, and with Sonia, she's married to an Asian man, so her kids are are, are mixed Asians. Um, so that was a good way to to start talking about it because it was someone within my community that I was hearing voices. And then I sat in a fireside chat last night with the Asian American Podcasters Association um, fellow asian and mixed asian podcasters and that was another good way of kind of figuring out it, it collectively how to start talking about this especially because um we are going to be required to educate for a period of time and it's 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 very frustrating to have to do that so um asian self why don't you introduce yourself to everybody and let them know where you're coming at us from like what angle in content creation and then we'll get into the conversation Hello. Um
3: how you doing? I'm Asian Soph. Uh, I have I am an activist and I don't know how to talk about myself right now. Hold on. I am an activist. Um, I have a social media page called Mixed Present um, centered around being multiracial and um, do a lot of educational posts and discussions. And I am a big social justice girl uh, and I do my best to be an activator in the community spread that education and um, help amplify voices and share resources and all of that i also have another page called mix made mix underscore made
0: m-a-d-e m-a-d-e yes <laughs> Um, yeah, so the reason why I wanted to speak to the three of you is, is because we all identify as mixed Asians and, and because we are coming, we're all content creators in in different ways, um, the way we use our voice as mixed Asians specifically, especially right now is probably really crucial given that, um, the invisible minority that, that Asians are looked at as is that we're not the people you come to to talk or listen about what's going on in the world. We're not actively known for some reason um, for any of our activism, even though we have a history of, of being um, activists and being involved in civil rights. We're not actively known for being authorities in social justice, even though there is a history of that for all of our communities. Um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Uh, you're on mute. Okay.
3: Um, I mean, the reason is, you know, it doesn't serve white supremacy for us to speak out as the model minorities. Um, I just wanted to interject that.
0: No, absolutely. And and I feel like I I hate that it's a series of tragic events. That is the reason why we're starting to see more that's not even the way I want to put it either, uh, because I have the scope that gets a chance that I'm seeing people that are in activism spaces and and um, regarding Asian identity. And yet it just seems like the rest of the world, the non-Asian part of, of the world is starting to pick up on it only because a series of tragic events. Um, and I find that very frustrating. And I. I I'm tired. Like Mona Lisa said, I'm tired. I don't want to educate. And yet if I don't, I feel, you know, I do feel responsibility to my community to use my platforms um, to talk about this. I do have one issue that I want to, I want to mention at the start of our conversation before we really get into it. And, um, and that is just more of an omission for, for me Uh, because I, because I identify hierarchically, Um, black first and then Japanese and then um, identifying my white ethnicity, but not white, not having access to white culture. I feel like I'm far more versed on social issues as it pertains to black people than I am Asian people. And I have been, uh, God damn, I'm going to get choked up about this again. I just had this experience yesterday. Uh, Admitting it publicly is uncomfortable for me because I I started to realize I have not been an active participant in um, publicly speaking on behalf of the mixed Asian community or as a mixed Asian person, I'm not as well versed on what happens to the various Asian communities here in the States um, as I am in black spaces. And I have been feeling a tremendous amount of shame about that lately Um, because I don't wanna just be popping in now because something terrible is happening i i wish i had been more versed and more involved up until now um but I, i'm coming at it where i'm coming at it and and so i'm here to start discussing this this actively now um so i do go to asian sofa and and her platforms um for education in a lot of cases i i have been listening mona lisa to your your blasian solidarity um I know. So for people who don't know, Mona Lisa does um, videos in both Chinese and in English about Black Asian solidarity. Um, And when I played when uh, with Tiffany, when you let me use your your song about your mixed identity in there, I got comments about like, how did you find a Cambodian mixed like person? You know, you know, so these the fact that I have people to go to that that are doing the work and and I can learn from Um, I'm really grateful that y'all came here to do this with me but I did want to put that out there that I am by no means comfortable um in this conversation but I need this conversation and that's why I wanted to do it on the militantly mixed platform so we can get into however many aspects of it as we want tonight but I didn't want to try to profess any kind of expertise while I'm in it just because I'm a mixed Asian.
3: Can I just say really quick, um, thank you for being like so honest with us and like, you know, sharing your vulnerability and all of of that. Um, But I I do want to say, I mean, you talk a lot about being mixed Japanese and a lot of the mixed struggle. And a lot of that is very intersectional and um, you I have heard you speak on multiple occasions about um, the pressure for Asian Americans to assimilate and the cultural loss that happens as a result of that and the identity crisis that happens as a result of that. So I think that the work is, is there. So just wanted to say
1: that. Yeah. And another thing that, you know, we all have to remember is that, you know, there are, there are a lot of ways in which, um, you know, your work in the black community is important um, within the context of the Asian American community too. Right. Because at the end of the day, we're all working against a common goal, which is against um, the perpetuation of white supremacy. So, you know, being understanding the the tools you already have all of that just because you don't have all of necessarily the history doesn't mean that you don't already see and know what's going on right and so yeah. then we just get into the this project of like whatever we read and we you know educate through media right and, and yeah other forms of course
0: yes of course um, I, yeah, exactly. I mean, I do, I, I, I'm really good at telling people to other people to give themselves grace from coming at things wherever they come to. Um, but you know, you're a human, you end up doing it. You, you end up not, Following your own things, and so I, I have been dealing with it. But I'm, you know, I'm doing the work right now so that I can I can actively do it, and that's kind of why we came here um, to talk today. So this was an impromptu discussion. I do do a live stream on the third Thursday of the month, which just so happens to be the third Thursday of the month. But I was actually going to skip this month until the events of this week. Um, and the fact that y'all were able to do this last minute, I really appreciate. One of the first things that I wanted to kind of get into was this idea of solidarity amongst different oppressed groups. And um, the push-pull that we seem to have, we see both the sides of, you know, Asians were there for Black Lives Matter, so y'all should be here for Asians now, or I didn't see any Asians there during Black Lives Matter, so why do you want us to come over? I'm seeing both of those kind of comments happening at the same time. And all I see is White supremacy, white supremacy. Like in the way that you hear in the peanuts, the adults always go wah, 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 wah. When I see that, all I see is white supremacy, white supremacy, white supremacy. So I want to get into um, y'all's ideas on um, how are you handling those types of things if you're just viewing them or if you're actually engaging and um, in what ways do you personally feel that you can offer ideas about a reframing those discussions towards ending white supremacy or fighting against white supremacy?
2: I can start first. So I have done at least two videos so far on my YouTube channel talking about this. So way back in June, right after George Floyd happened, I I post an impromptu video talking about at the time, you know, George Floyd is going on, but at the same time, I see my Asian brother and sisters going through a lot of racism too. And how can we address both at the same time? And then I did it again, a few weeks ago, uh, right after Lunar New Year, where there's getting some traction on this. Uh, And I think, I think where we can start off is the model minority myth. I think, a lot of the minorities, especially our Asian community, uh, it was fee to us. We didn't create this, okay? It was fee to us uh, which of the minorities in America uh, has a higher standard higher education, better off, more money, going to school and all of this stuff, right? And I think the model minority gives a false sense of, um, oh, Asians are protected, right? Uh, they're the people that, you know, they're light white people. And, but then it pushes off all the other racial groups aside saying that they're not as good as Asians. Right. But then it also causes a lot of competition among the different racial communities trying to be the best minority group in America. And that's what white supremacists want. Exactly. (laughs) You know, so when we're all supposed to be working together to combat white supremacy, I feel like the model minority with put us against each other unnecessarily where instead of us focus on the real enemy, we're focused on who's the better minority, which that's we're going off track right here.
0: Yeah. That's the I, most I beautiful part of white supremacy. And I think organized religion can teeter into this as well, is that you feed the concept and then you back away. So there's not a whole lot of need for active Well, white supremacy and active white aggression—it happens.
1: I disagree. I think that they do actively. So, okay,
0: we have to go. I'm not saying they don't actively. I'm saying they they don't have to. They could just let it fester. But there's there is continued. Act, yeah,
1: through popular culture and whatever else. But we right, have to right. go back to remember that these are part of this is part of modernity, right? So this this idea, um, since like colonial times, right, the colonizers coming in and, you know, asserting Western colonizers, asserting um, dominance over Um, You know, people that are considered to be, you know, the savage other or whatever. So we have to recognize that these are projects that have been continuing and that we are allowing to continue for a long, long, long time, right? And so there are a lot of technologies of uh, white supremacy that are rooted in what we think about when we think about the modern world, You know, so the, you know, the modern world is where like science and everything spreads all over the world, you know? So just to kind of like put it simply. So, so thinking I'm, I'm getting too academic, but like. (laughs) Sorry, this is what happens when you spend like. I mean, you are finalizing your PhD. (laughs) No such
3: thing, girl. No such thing. (laughs) I know story of
1: my life, but yeah, no, I agree. Like this stuff, for me, I think is rooted in in things that have been constructed even prior to the model minority myth, right? And and we all need to recognize, you know, for the context of Asian America, the 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 creation of Asian Americans. As a group, that grouping is a political grouping that was produced during, you know, the 1960s during the Asian American movement so that we could unite against um, white supremacy and again and in reaction to really terrible histories of how Asians have been treated in the United States. Right. And so if we're all aware of these histories, then we can fully work to dispel these notions that Asians are somehow inherently because of their biology or because of their cultural training, m- you know, smarter or whatever, than or, or more affluent than other people. In fact, the thing that is producing that stereotype is U.S. empire and labor, right? So, 1965 they're like oh all of the rich asians that can contribute that are professionals in our society can come right and so that's like that's contributing to um part of this myth and so when we understand that it's systems of empire it's systems of u.s imperialism that are producing these things we can be like oh nah, that's not for us. Like, we don't believe in this because you guys constructed it. Right.
0: Yeah, as an HR manager, the amount of H-1B visas I have processed at work that are of affluent, educated Asians, um, East Asians, South Asians, but Asians alone, while we have a border with kids in cages and stuff like that because somehow those aren't the right immigrants to bring over naturally we're going to end up developing animosities amongst these communities um which goes back into this idea that um that we're pitted against each other versus solidarity um first kind of within all of our essentially non-white communities um so if you got something Yeah, of course. I saw your Um, face, so I was like, hey.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think, you know, education, huge, like learning the histories. Absolutely. I mean, you if you don't know it, you repeat it. But even if you know it, you repeat it sometimes. Um, And to Mona Lisa's point about the model minority myth. Absolutely. I mean, it is essentially a tool of white supremacy to make us Asian Americans a wedge Between everybody else, specifically blacks. Um, And it's no. It's just no coincidence that the rise of the creation of the model minority myth was in conjunction around the same time as the civil rights era. And
0: yeah, I was thinning the herd, essentially. <laughs> I'm watching
3: the yeah. head girl. She's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and yeah, and and this idea that oh, if we can keep the the everybody else squabbling amongst each other, then we don't have to address the issue of racism and white supremacy in this country. And then we turn, and then yeah, I mean, also racism is also not completely overt all the time. Most of the time, it's covert these days. And so allowing within that fighting for the system to evolve into this overt, not overt, covert, hard to prove situation um, where there's a lot of gaslighting, a lot of microaggressions, and a lot of making people feel just, I mean, the inevitability of what happened on Tuesday and just the, the feeling of already... Like having been in quarantine over a year ago and, you know, like struggling with that as it is some like white people just had to struggle with going into quarantine. And I'm not saying it wasn't a hard struggle. I'm, I'm on one tonight, guys. I will let you know there's a lot of emotions, but I'm not saying there wasn't its own struggle. But then to have the heightened anxiety and fear around being Asian American, having to, you know, wanting to still show up in solidarity with the black community and just being as an activist, just fed up with the fact that it's it's what year is it? OK, and we're still dealing with these things and we can't seem to get very far on it. And 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 now that racism has become this covert situation, um, in a lot of ways, you, you almost are it's inev- a lot of it is turned into, well, you guys are the problem. You guys are the problem. You can't just accept that, you know, we're not going to give you handouts. We're not going to, you know whatever the argument is, they can't accept that everybody's struggling in some way, shape or form. You need to make it somehow you're the victim. And that is a lot of rhetoric going on right now. So that com- in conjunction with the fact that we're seeing our elders get, att- and not even just our elders get attacked. We see these women get killed. We're bringing in themes now of hypersexualization of Asian women. Um, we're seeing, and, and to um, Tiffany, Tiffany, right? i'm so sorry to tiffany's point this is a history that has existed since asians came here to join the gold rush right so i mean to say that there there's already a struggle going on and and a lot of us are are I mean, I'm sure you're all feeling it just pushed to the brink of like how like this, it took this for us to now see a lot more posts about hate is a virus and stop Asian hate and all these things. And and you want to commend people for saying something in the first place. But you also there is that duality space of we can only be in this time when there's a lot of people speaking out. And I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of black Americans can also um. Uh, like relate to this because it took George Floyd and people going into quarantine and having the time
0: to learn about systemic racism. That's a good point. Yeah. Because it's not like we haven't seen people lynched on TV before. Exactly. But maybe it was being at home and it being on that 24 hour cycle that it hit more this time. Exactly. And, and it's so frustrating because, like,
1: the start of COVID wasn't even when we started seeing increases in Asian, you know, anti Asian aggression, right? And as people, you know, like us that are all kind of working within these social justice capacities and within these systems and within these communities, we've known this for a long, long time that not only Anti-Asian racism is on the rise, but we have been allies to Black Lives Matter movements and all kinds of like social justice movements. Right. So it's just it's it's really frustrating to hear for me that that there are people out there, which I know this because it's the world. But I've been staying off social media because like, oh, my God, right now I am busy, but I I find it very frustrating to hear that people of color, instead of coming together and finding empathy and commonality in these situations are continuing to pit one another, you know, pit themselves against each other. It's, it's so frustrating. I
3: I do. I do want to say, I mean, white supremacy serves in that way. Right. Mm -hmm. And, And, and it's, it's so unfortunate and it's, it's, this (laughs) totally have so many thoughts right now (laughs) let me regroup (laughs) but yeah white supremacy serves in that way to keep us fighting amongst one another and this idea that if any of us get any of the attention and get any sort of reparation or addressing of our issues or anything like that another group will not get it now and that
0: is how it works I've seen a couple things about like as if it's a trade deal. Like if, if if Black folks support Asian folks right now, will Asian folks support reparations for Black folks when it comes up? I, I've seen that discussion come up. And, and let me just pause for a second to say, yes, we are all going through it. Like between COVID and quarantine and all this kind of stuff, we're all going through it. But my personal experience as a black and Asian person, just as the news cycle is starting to trend away from violence towards black people, even though, you know, it's still happening. Yeah, it's picking up on violence towards Asian people. And I'm just like, wait, I didn't get a chance to breathe. Like, I got to catch up with this. And now so I'm constantly seeing all this stuff. And I know this stuff is happening simultaneously. So I don't understand why we're only watching You know what's happening for Asians right now versus being able to see both things at the same time. Is it that the news can't fathom that two groups are happening at the? You know what I'm saying? Like that's how history goes. The media
1: as as a technological system, right, is run by white supremacy generally, or by white cultural hegemony. Right, that's just fancy way of saying like who's running? Who's running America? Who's running our our systems? Our media.
0: Right it, it It's the same kind of concept, and I was telling somebody about this earlier, um was that I was having a conversation with a co-worker recently where I was explaining that my great grandmother's grandparent was still alive during the the er- samurai era. And they could not understand that. They couldn't understand that that happened then. That that was that close to 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 now. Well, and there's the I,
1: whole racialization of Asians as like antiquity, right? Asians right. as like we're this uh, ancient associated thing. with like some ancient, far off, mythical time. And
0: then we're just in a bubble for like five hundred years or something, maybe, and then we pop back into existence. And so I explained to somebody there were still transitioning out of the samurai era during the civil war in the united states and that you could see the calculation meme pop up in front of them while they were just trying to figure out how that is even possible and so i was saying like do you understand that history is overlapping like like the egyptians aren't the first part of history. like the pyramids aren't first and then the romans and the and the or the greeks and then the Romans. like these things aren't happening one after the other they're happening at the same time and it's the same with the with racism right like oh no no we're we're off of black people right now we're on asians it, racism is only affecting asians right now yeah <laughs> and it's just
2: go ahead Melissa yeah so I was talking to my siblings yesterday about this and we were very focused on how our history books are being written. So you know how, you know, our media, newspaper and all that, it's mainly white people, right? Well, it's also mainly white people that write our history books. So I'm from a really interesting background. That's why I'm more aware of, um, what's going on in the Caribbean because you know my dad I'll give you some context so you understand better what's going on my dad's Chinese and in 1989 he went to Jamaica totally different place right to work for a few years and my, my mom there while he was there he met a group of Chinese people have really been living in Jamaica for centuries yeah and and um
3: I know
2: about that. Uh, <laughs> but then this is not written in history books, or rather, it's not widely talked talked about in our history class. And I think this is something that we need to learn, you know, right after, um, you know, what actually during the Civil War, and as the Emancipation of proclamation, and how all the colonies are abolishing Black slavery, the same time this is happening, we are pulling millions of people from china and india into the caribbean into panama and into south america to build railroads to work on plantations and to oh. work on mines right so you know they they had to still have people working on the fields you know they're going to stop enslaving black people but they still need to make money so guess what well we have colonies in india and china i guess we'll just pull those people so, so you know, um, you know, Asian oppression, you know, has been going on since then. But why is it that we're not learning about this in our history books? Well,
3: the same reason you don't learn about the 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 role the Chinese had in the gold rush and the forced the, the ultimate, like, forcing of them out um, because whites were didn't want them to have all the gold as the mines were getting exhausted. And then how they had to take low-paying jobs after that, work on plantations. Their first allies were Blacks. Like, this whole history, to, to talk and center other groups does not serve white supremacy, which is essentially what we're seeing. And then we have people who are, you know, white supremacists and, like... Pro white, you know, um, who just believe like, oh, bec- I only learned about us. We are the best. I only ever see us. We are the best, and like maybe they don't say that out loud, but inherently, subconsciously, we have all, in a sense, developed that because we have come up in a white supremacist society, and it feeds.
1: It's also everything. American exceptionalism, right? Yes. Right. A big thing about how American culture is formed is around these ideas of like, we are the best. We um left England because they weren't they weren't cool to us. And we were just like, oh, we're going to make it on our own. Right. And then the whole thing of natives being here, you know, gets completely swept under the rug in our in our educational systems. Right. So it's just none of this is shocking or surprising to me it's it's very um you know i wish i could say that the news events that i see happening shock me right Uh, they they are shocking in that they are horrible events horrible things that are happening but when i look when i hear about these events and i kind of turn to my friend or my partner and i'm like was a white guy that did it and he's like yeah i'm like not shocked You like know, at no
0: point was I surprised when I heard that multiple Asian people had been killed in the spa that I that it was going to be a white man. And instantly the cycle or at least from the time I started to access the news, which, which again was hours and hour a day and, and hours later um, was uh, it was a boy. It was a kid. He's 21 years old. Meanwhile, Tamir Rice was a young black man but okay um you know uh so this this you know poor poor white boy uh just had a really bad day and he's really struggling with his own sexual addiction uh, addiction, <laughs>
1: sex addiction i don't mean to laugh at that because you know people it's the laugh where sure you cry have type lots of thing of problems, but For me, it's funny that the media chooses to, one, believe that wasn't it like the police that were like, oh, he says that it wasn't a racially motivated crime, that the media decides to report this. And so, of course, all of us within the Asian-American community that understand what's been happening for a long time are all rolling our eyes and being like, okay, so you've never heard of like the fetishization of Asian women. And okay, so you're not putting two and two together with these statements that he's saying about a sex addiction and all of these dead Asian women like this is not you know um put put this
0: is not making sense for you yeah, you know, like, I, know I was it's surprised that his entire porn history search will be Asian women. I'm not going to be surprised. I am 100 percent expecting that to happen. I would also like to know have the media report on how many spas that were owned by white or non-Asian people. Did he drive past on his way to the next Asian spa that he was going to commit murders at? Um, because, you know, you see what is the headline? Eight. Asia, well, the first time I saw it was eight Asian women shot by a man in Atlanta. What kind of man? Why is it Asian women and man? And we're talking about mm-hmm. a white. If we're gonna start na- if we're if we're going to start to become more aware as a collective about white terrorism, which is what this is, then we need to name white people in the same way that we name all non-white people because again we're allowing man and woman to be white and then we are people of color women of color men of color we got to stop that
3: honestly um white people hate being referred to as white people
2: what's up
0: what's up with that they They hate it
2: it.
0: (laughs) they really do like as a like again not in you know obviously there's there's the The non-monolithic fusion and all that kind of stuff but what we see is when you name and I do it all the time at work and it like I watch it shock people and I do it really unassuming like I'll just be like um yeah the white guy that came in earlier and then I'll watch like I'll see this all of a sudden and then they'll realize that they can't address it so they'll just keep talking. But I know for that split second it jarred them that I said white. Meanwhile, how many times do I hear not just black man or black woman or asian man or asian woman. It always there's always an adjective. A beautiful black woman. Oh, this co- this woman who used to work here was a beautiful black woman. I don't ever hear beautiful white woman. I don't ever hear that as a descript. There's no adjectives ahead of white people. When you're talking to your coworkers, there's no adjectives ahead of white people. Well, They're not
1: adding color adjectives, right? They're not, they're not adding like, you know, this racialization on top of white, because in this country, which is built on white supremacy which is built on you know the the racial formation of whiteness against people of color right then white is normal and exactly normal exactly. exactly
3: you don't have to describe the normal that's exactly what i was gonna say yeah love you girl yes so, yeah. yeah and that's
1: exactly. also what lots of like theorists talk about in academia y'all it's like real interesting in there i wish more people would you know translate those texts <laughs> the amount of time I, I have
0: like just just do it every time i tell a story two white people, I never name, unless it's really a part of the thing, I'd never name the race of the people unless they're white. This is something I've been doing over the last year. And it is hilarious because later on, if they figure out that I was referring to a black or brown person, it changes the whole story. And it's like so stupid that it can change the whole story just by knowing what kind of Brown somebody was. Um, but again, when we're talking about the, the news and, and this happens also like it, even when it's not necessarily a race story, um, the rapist, Brock Turner, when, when, um, he was a, a young kid that 20 minutes of action was going to ruin his whole life. If we didn't protect him, like, I don't know the, the ethnicity of the woman that he attacked, but all I know is that he was a poor little kid, and her part, she was never lifted up or protected in the story, in the messaging. She was the problem that Brock had to overcome. And yeah, this and kid, this guy, American. oh, was she? I, I yeah, so. I did. I, I and again, so then again, look, I didn't, I didn't hear that news. I that wasn't uh, that wasn't a part of the story with this man who i won't name but who uh went through and and killed all those people at various asian massage spas um to inf- infanthate info what's it called infantilize infantilize. Him, um, infantilize him and just act like you know it was such a it was such a burden for him that he had to go ahead and kill these asian women again the Asian women are not the center of the story in the messaging. It's this poor, stressed out, addict, sex addicted kid who's just down on his day, but he actively went to multiple places to take lives. And while it did take a little bit for the names to get released. And I believe there's still two names that haven't been released probably because they haven't contacted the families or something yet, or they haven't been able to identify them. Um, these people aren't humans yet. They are six Asian women and two other ethnic group people. Like that's that's the story for them. So the victims aren't the center of the you know the center of the story of the, of the violence and it's going to allow this guy to be <sighs> famous in such a twisted kind of way. Like poor little poor little boy. Yeah.
1: You know, Helen Zia, this really amazing Asian American, you know, activist um, posted the other day uh, on social media because I needed to research about this story. Right. So I was like, I'm going to look on social media today. But, um, you know, they posted about um, not like taking taking down a post in which that, you know, the the perpetrator's name was in the post. And and. I really appreciated that because I was already thinking, you know, on my end, like, we don't need to know his name. Like, all we need to know is that he's a young white guy. This was, you know, there. this is definitely part of a a larger um, gun control issue and, and a racialized issue. As well, right? There's so many issues contributing to this person's actions, but our attention doesn't need to be turned on um, thinking about ways to to help these people. That that person, right? That person at the end of the day is going to be fine because he's a white guy, right? So a white man has. Full American citizenship. Nobody ever is questioning his uh, his li- his life, his his um, worthiness of being here in the United States. But if you have an Asian body, and this is what scholars, you know, like Karen Shimakawa, have talked about for a long time, if you have an Asian body, you get defined against white American citizenship, and therefore, people that are Asian are considered, you know, forever foreigners in this country. Um, and they can't culturally attain citizenship. And it's just it, because they're racialized. And it's so deeply problematic. I would love to see our media or our communities, you know, producing um, something that can go out into the world, like a piece of of cultural production, a piece of, I don't know, like news or, or writing or posts that we can circulate that centers instead that that these people were massacred and that this man's story becomes secondary to that, yeah. you know, and, and part of that conversation is also about interrogating how the kind of labor that these women did are, is gendered and is um, racialized and is, you know, sexualized by white by white, do- you know, dominant. And also demonized.
0: demonized. And demonized,
1: absolutely.
0: Because honestly, my first thought when I found out that it was massage parlors and that it was Asian women wasn't first thought these are sex workers. They may be, but I don't have that information. And it wasn't my there were
1: articles thought, trying to say that without that were. having any definitive work that they were. And I at the end of the day, I was like, so what? Yeah. Well, there's that too.
0: Like, so what if they're still sex workers? The, so what the only, so what if they're sex workers that I need addressed is if they are trafficked and, and, and that is not necessarily because they're Asian women, but it is part of that story. But any sex worker situation, if I first can, can, can separate whether or not these are trafficked people versus people who are voluntarily and within their own control and ability, sex workers, then I don't need that to be the part of the story. His sex addiction is his sex addiction, whether he goes to sex workers or he tries to to rape people. That is his thing. That does not need to be cast against the women. And it's not the it doesn't justify their massacre. It doesn't justify their slang, even if they are. And again, at the place I'm standing right now, I don't know. I don't know if that's part of the story, but I do know that if he was targeting a space that had Asian women in a massage parlor, then he is probably coming to that conclusion before he even answers the door, Um Because just because it's a stereotype or a joke in media or in movies and things like that, it was not my first thought. I had to get into reading more articles and seeing more posts until it even occurred to me that that was why it happened. I initially thought it was entirely race driven. I didn't even think about the sex element until the cops started saying that he had admitted to a sex addiction. Um, Yeah. Like the minute
1: that I saw that headline, that's when I was like, oh my gosh, are they gonna really do this right now?
3: You know. I mean, it's part of a continued theme of constantly seeing Asian discrimination and Asian hate erased. And you know, a lot of times there's this idea. I think that is also traumatized within our own community, right? Of, of not saying anything, not doing anything. Like, why should you be speaking about this? Um, or there's nothing that you can do or whatever it is. And just this, just, just, I guess the, like, the the emotional toll it takes on you like how exhausting it is to like know these things have statistical academia backup history that is available we have statistics available i mean 68 percent of hate crimes were reported by women we have stories we have testimonials we have all of this stuff and we have our experiences growing up with Asian parents or Asian guardians or anything like that. And also having to experience from them to kind of, you know, through this assimilation and stuff, this idea of like, you shouldn't say anything, you shouldn't speak up and then just trying to find the courage to do so. And then finally doing it. And then just this immediate erasure and silencing it's the, this, the Tuesday really emotionally for me, just, really set me off I I have been stewing and brewing for a long time and, and I will say I have not been I'm sorry I haven't been doing okay personally and this is the part of activism that can feel so hard because you go in the world and you see it happen You we can see these women have lost their lives to somebody who blame them for whatever yeah. and it takes this for people to finally maybe consider Oh, like maybe there is a problem here. And then we're still hearing the silence and the denial and the, and, 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 and Asians have been saying for over a year, we are hurting Mm -hmm. and still asked to show up in the world and be quiet and just do, I would love to like go to work and just think about the work. I would love to like do these things and, and, and go to the grocery store and not think about anything, but at the same time, it's. It's every day,
0: every part of the day.
3: And I think that is the piece that white people do not understand.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can take your, you can take a beat. I, a hundred percent feel you. Um, And, and I know probably um, because you and I both come from Japanese culture, where like this thing that you and I do is, is, like, culturally not okay. I, I think there's bleed over in, in other Asian cultures as well as far as sticking out and things. But um, the fact that you and I have gotten emotional publicly has been rough on both of us. You know, we're both, like, we instantly apologize. We, you know, because we're, like, we're taking up, uh, we're making people uncomfortable when we do it. I still get uncomfortable. I can't help it. And yet... I think it's the reason why people listen to us. Maybe I hate that. I fucking hate that. But I think that's part of the reason why people listen to us. And I i mean, I appreciate that we at least have this space together that we can do it. If I cry in front of white people, <laughs> if I cry in front of white people over this stuff. And then it gets dismissed. Well, then we're hysterical. It's- yeah. Well, then we're
1: hysterical. We're dramatic, right?
3: Or it gets flipped on you that you mm-hmm. are the problem and you have caused everything.
1: Right. Why aren't I'm you right. stronger?
2: Yeah. I'm actually
1: very got
3: I got told once, well, you put yourself around activists and radical educators all the time. So you're never in a space where you're not thinking about it. So that's your fault. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Because go you on. can just flip it off, right? <laughs>
2: Yeah.
3: Wow. yeah and even like simple microaggressions like how do you have time to do like pr- go protest and do these like how do you like when do you recharge and i'm like i sp- could be better about it but at the same time this is actual life this, this is every day this is i mean who, who's to say one of us could not have been those eight asian women uh, exactly and 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 i just think that and and for and and to even bring something like up that like up what am I saying like that up there are people who would say but but you weren't but you weren't you're fine yeah the fear the fear is
1: so real right now you know of our bodies as as Asian Americans you know and it's it's frustrating and it's scary. And like these kinds of experiences are things that black folks in this country have faced and felt every day. And it's, it's just very, um, it's very, it's very stressful. And, and I hope that in these experiences, our communities can grow closer together, you know, um, yeah. I, you know, I think that we should talk about just cause, you know, we're, we've been here for almost an hour. I think it's really important for us to talk about ways that we can, um, support one another in these times actionable items maybe like what are what are some things that you guys um find useful for moving forward from this conversation
0: yeah I do want to wrap with that but before that Mona Lisa you had something a little while back you wanted to say
2: I just I just wanted to say quickly that I've been very um proud of my Asian family and friends for speaking up I think a lot of people have kind of alluded to it, but let me be more clear about it right now by saying that it is a cultural thing for Asian people to not speak up For many reasons, you know, we have, for culturally, you know, we're seen as the people that we follow the rules. We don't ask questions. We don't question authority, right? Uh, We just do what the white guys ask us to do. And for many reasons could be because culturally we came from a country where we are suppressed. For instance, China. Korea, Vietnam, Laos, you know, culturally, a lot of the, um, our ancestors or even people coming straight from these countries, we came from an environment where our voices are not heard. So, and we continue this tradition, right? Even though we're going through oppression, we still don't speak up. So I just want to say, you know, thank you for all of you for like speaking up you know this is a really good step forward for us but at the same time to our um white audience and other people please let give us the space to talk don't just shut us down just because you know you have the stereotype that we follow the rules and we don't talk or we ever talk you know this is our moment here yeah. you know, yeah. this is our yeah it's yeah. a know. great action yeah. mm-hmm.
0: And also, too, just like how difficult, given that we all come from a culture, from even though there are various cultures, but within the umbrella of, of Asian-ness, that we all come from people who have for centuries and centuries and centuries been kind of programmed to to not speak up and not stand out. It is an effort for us to do this. It is counter to our generational conditioning and how we were probably individually raised to a certain extent, some of us, it is a big thing to step out. And with being like a black and Asian mixed person, I could always speak out as a black person. I would not speak out as an Asian person. And that has only been recently that I've been allowing myself to even tap into that part. So this is not easy, but we're doing this work because it's important to us and it's vital to the people that come after us as well. Um, I don't know where we would have been if we were able to convince more people to speak out earlier by the time I was brought up or by the time any of you were brought up, I, you know, but all I know is that right now this is the time that we can't let it slip through our hands. Yeah. And then going back to the idea of what actionable things we can do, um, Sometimes I suggest speaking out, but when I know it's not something that someone can do, but I know they can write, or I know they can draw, or I know they can make a movie, or I know they can create some sort of content, that they allow that to be the voice that they can't use, you know, or that they use that voice through something. So I exercise, I use my podcast as a way to allow other people to use their voice without taking that step out for themselves or or maybe they don't want to, they just want to in this one instance. Um, So whatever platforms, whatever thing that we're all doing as individual creators, if we can funnel through the people that are connected or touched by us, funnel their voice through what we're creating in addition to making sure that we speak out as well, I think that is an important thing. And I just want people to really understand how difficult it is for us to do this. It's it sucks. It sucks, but we have to do it. Somebody has to. I, I think that
3: what's something that white America cannot quite relate to is the fact that I mean just us alone. Right. I have thousands of years of Japanese history.
0: I know again. it's like oh I'm sorry too. I've been trying to hide it myself. Oh my god,
3: two days in a row. I cried out a live last night too. Like this is just a lot And we're this all
0: is, feeling it.
3: You know, yeah, it's it's a lot to you know have that history, have that that cultural experience. You know, every day my dad, I kid you not, is like, hey. They said, this woman got hurt at a protest. Like, you need to be careful. Like, I mean, you know, and he always says he, he he likes to say, my dad has gotten better. I have worked on him. It has taken like 10 years, but he's getting a little bit better. But also he says things like, you know, I just, I would just be so sad if you like were gone. So like to, to speak out amidst that kind of commentary. Yeah. And then like, You know, my dad does have that. I'm sure you guys can all relate that mentality of, you know, this is the price we pay for being here. And this is the. And I and I'm looking to break that. So but it does take quite the toll on you, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Um, I I have some actions. I was going to
0: say you want to list some actions. We'll go through everybody for whatever actions everybody has. And then we'll wrap up with um, resources and, and our platforms. Yeah, Um, I do want to say, you know, in regards
3: to I think Tiffany made a really great point about talking about black and Asian solidarity. Uh, I do have that like series on mixed present talking to different people over live um, about different topics. We did one on BIPOC mental health. We did one on me and Charmaine did one on. um, uh pop culture culture. and the cultural exchange in pop culture which was phenomenal like it was my favorite thing that we've ever talked about we could have gone on for three
1: hours (laughs) yes story Um, of my teaching life
3: (laughs) yeah exactly um and we also i also did one with this rohan the founder of the belaysian march on um uh, i love him (laughs) i love him yeah the on solidarity Uh, uh, history. So there's that education. There's lots of resources also available online. I've seen lots of Black and Asian solidarity resources come through on the hashtag. Check out the hashtag hate is a virus and stop Asian hate, stop AAPI hate. All of these actually engage on the hashtag. So what does that mean? Click the hashtag, like a bunch of posts, comment on them, save them, like get the algorithm going on them, engage on the hashtags, follow people amplify their voices. Um, I have a a couple more. I'm sorry. And then everyone can go after me. Um, You can also report AAPI hate crimes. You can go to standagainsthate.org. You can also check out the NAPABA, the uh, National uh, Asian... Pacific American Bar Association. They have pro bono resources for helping with hate crimes. Um, You can go to uh, Stop AAPI Hate, uh, stop AAPI Hate. AAPI Hate.org. However, do not call for more policing. We must also stand in solidarity with our Black brothers and sisters, not calling for more policing. and then you can also go to org. They have a free guide on strategically de-escalating hate in public. Um, and then you can also donate to a GoFundMe. It's support the cause against anti-Asian violence. There's all dashes between all those. Um, and... You could also donate to Butterfly. It is um, the Asian and Migrant Sex Worker Network. Uh, You can go to ButterflySW.org and donate to help decrease the violence that they face. And um, uh, if you do not have monetary funds to donate, you could volunteer to escort seniors in your local Chinatown. I know Oakland Chinatown has a service like that. Um, Definitely – Consider just doing that and show up to any actions, protests, anything. We are historically a silenced. We're seeing it being erased and quieted. Showing up helps amplify our voices. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Thanks. Um, Send me all of those so that I can add them into the description in the show notes. Um, Tiffany, why don't you go next?
1: Yeah, so that was an amazing list that covered a lot of the resources that I would have (laughs) covered which thank you so much for for doing that I think that that was so wonderfully and a wonderful and exhaustive you know um but one of the things that I think I I want to encourage people to do as someone that recognizes that it's hard it's really hard right now especially with fears of COVID and and everything else in everyday life like you know I I want to encourage people to do what you can, and and recognize like what are the things that you can do, what are the things that you're good at, how can you utilize your own um, interests and talents and things like that to, you know, help with this to help combat anti um, Asian. Hate crimes, and you know, just generally speaking, how can all of our everyday kind of actions work towards anti, you know, anti-racist um, movements? You know, yeah. So sorry that that was so. No, uh, that's good. I mean, it's really sounding, but <laughs> I, I really, I really do think that there are, are little ways that we can. Enact these things every day. So you know, if you're not ready to take on what feels like a really difficult project, then just do what you can and what you feel comfortable with. Right? Like a lot of people are going to jump in, you know, with two feet, and then this is their their whole life now. And some people need to work up to, mm-hmm. um, being to understanding what's going on in the world. Right?
0: Literally, activism. I've said I've been saying this now only for like the last. because I had to come to terms with my level of involvement is activism is at whatever level you are capable of. If you are a frontliner, be on the front line. If you have... Time and markers to make posters, but you can't or don't want to be out there make posters and support your local protesters. Bring food and water to support your local protesters. If you can donate money, donate money. If you can knit hats, knit hats. Like you know, literally, there's 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 need in every place. If you can volunteer, if you can write letters, if you can make posts, if you can regram, retweet, re-share everything that other people are doing that are already doing yeah. the work. All and of that, check up on your friends and check in on your friends but the most important thing that you can do as part of your everyday life and active like that could, you could count as activism is when you hear or see something happening that is racist or that you perceive as somebody's unconscious subtle racist act stop them tell them in the moment and if you're not ready to talk about it further or educate, say I just want you to, you know, remember this moment, what you said or did whatever is racist and I want to talk to about you I want to talk about this to you in a little bit. After we've had a chance. To yeah. Or like
1: utilize, you know, strategic things like when someone said something, you can say, I don't feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of strategic things that we can all kind of start off with um, as we're growing into being
2: more aware. Right. And Mona Lisa, do you have any? So I like shopping. And not only that, I think shopping and supporting businesses is a great way to support any community, especially for Asian community because unlike most people, that think that Asians are smart and they work as doctors and lawyers and stuff. The vast majority of Asian Americans work in the service industry and small businesses. So this this case this uh, this week where people, Asian women working in massage pods is a great example of women working in the service industry. Um, You know most of my life i know people my um, my family and my asian friends they they grow up in restaurants they run local restaurants the chinese restaurants and the vietnamese restaurant the vietnamese friends i know they all run nail salons right so um the vast majority of our community works in small businesses in the service industry so that's a great way to support them right now is go to chinatown support their business if there's no chinatown Google the nearest Chinese store or Chinese supermarket. That's a very great way to support them right now. Like right now. So glad you mentioned that. I mean, if you guys like donuts, Cambodians, shout out to my
1: Cambodians. Hey, what's up, yo? Um, (laughs) Sorry, I'm so lame. (laughs) I wasn't gonna say it. (laughs) Shout out to all of my Cambodian donut shops. Legitimately, the best donuts ever. You guys, I had to move from LA to Santa Barbara. And I was like desperately missing, you know, anything remotely Asian, Southeast Asian, especially. And, but I was like, whatever, I'm gonna go get a donut today at some random donut shop. And it was Cambodian run. Nice. So I was like, wow, I found Cambodians in Santa Barbara. If I can do it, you can too. <laughs> yes.
3: Hey, I haven't been up to Santa Barbara. I live in LA too, I but I haven't been up to Santa Barbara. I hear it's mad pretty up there. It's very, um, pretty.
0: It's very yeah. white. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, that is something that I, I <laughs> huh. failed to mention at the beginning of the show, which I do do on Militantly Mix the podcast. Is I'd like to acknowledge that I am presently recording on the lands that were. Um, the ancestral lands of the Chumash and the Tongva people, also Santa Monica, the Chumash stretch all the way up to Santa Monica. I didn't Google before we got started, um, I'm sorry, uh, where in uh, who occupied the land where you're at, Mona Lisa. But um, I think this is another thing. Learn the history of where you live. Learn the communities that are in the spaces that you occupy. Know who was there before you, um, and you might discover... A lot of, I mean, I hate to say it, horrible things that happen to brown and and a- black and Asian people um, in your areas, and do the work in those areas to you do you know, eradicate what is happening, uh, support your Asian business, your local Asian businesses. Honestly, COVID was a great example of how heavily asian restaurants were affected um, almost instantly a lot of went out of business or or paused um for a period of time so buy yourself dinner tomorrow or lunch for a friend or something um you can do it through doordash or grubhub even too if you can't go out there but that would be another another great way i'm so glad you mentioned that because i can't believe i forgot to mention (laughs) supporting businesses um Thank you so much uh, for having this conversation. I I know we all kind of came to it like last minute, um, which I I think we're all kind of doing right now um, across multiple platforms. But I really appreciate you sharing this space and continuing that that safe space of within us to be able to talk about this while we are attempting to educate people outside of our communities as well. I'm going to go the opposite direction now tell everybody how to find you and and what kind of content you create again just remind them and then we'll go ahead and wrap up so let's start with mona lisa and then tiffany and then asian uh asian so all
2: right so you can find me on youtube type in naturally mona lisa you can also find me on instagram also hashtag nationally mona lisa
0: all right mm-hmm.
1: Awesome. So you guys can find me on social media, TikTok, Instagram. Um, what are all the other ones? Facebook. <laughs> at Tiffany Lytle Music. You know, I'm pretty much on all of them. I just uh, need to take a break sometimes. Right. Uh, <laughs>
0: spell your last name for everybody because I don't know My last name spelled
1: L-Y-T-L-E, name. L-Y-T-L-E and yes, I am half Cambodian-American and that is my dad's last name. I can't help it.
3: So. <laughs> i love it <laughs> i so, love it. Happy, happy I'll be following you after <laughs> you. for sure um i'm asian Soph, asian underscore soap on like everything twitter clubhouse instagram i also have an instagram page um mixed present uh check that out uh we It's centered around being multiracial mixed, uh, but there is a lot of activism space in their educational resources, um, lots of um, live stream conversations around solidarity, around racism, around being mixed, around
0: lots of different things. Um, And check out my other page, Mixed underscore Made. Awesome. And I am Charmaine, a.k.a. Mixed Girl Maine, host of the Militantly Mixed podcast, and you can find. I'm militantly Mixed on all platforms, also at Militantly Mixed. Um, in the next day or so, I'm going to be getting a new design for a t shirt uploaded to the website, MilitantlyMixed.com, where the 100% of the proceeds will be donated to multiple different organizations that are supposed that are supporting um, asian um, safety protection uh, as of right now um, similarly to the black lives matter fundraiser t-shirt that i created last year mix and hella black there will be a mix and hella asian t-shirt popping up really soon i'm trying to get it done in the next day but 100% of the proceeds will go towards, um, I'm going to be dividing it up over multiple Asian organizations, and I will update in the website what those organizations are as, um, as I add them to the list, so... I love that. I cannot wait four. to get that shirt. Yes, <laughs> I'll get it up. I'm getting I've been working on the design, and I'm I'm just like trying to make sure that I'm happy with it before I hit that yeah. button. Um, but it's going to go up shortly, and um, and I will leave it up for that purpose. I just want
3: to say also, I do not cry on every single right? thing that I'm on. Um, just it's
0: a hard time right now. So imagine the tears sure that I've said publicly over the last year and a half are. Just kicking my butt. I am not this emotional in front of people. I'm a yes. big baby behind closed yeah. doors. Never publicly. I'm in therapy, so I'm I deal with my emotions. <laughs> Same. Same. But
3: <laughs> but <laughs> on a live stream is a, is a little bit different. It's cried it's, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's all my tears emotional. this morning.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, thank you again, everybody. I, I love y'all. And, um, you know, as I say to all of my guests, once you are on military Mix, you become my cousins and the three of you legitimately are. Um, I've seen support from all of you and I have felt your presence online and doing the work and I appreciate you. And I want your mixed ass faces all over the internets and I, want, <laughs> and I want you to continue to use your voices because they're so important. Um, Not just to me, although very much to me, but also the whole world. So thank you again for doing this. Militantly Mixed is a main Hustle Media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, The One. You can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook at Militantly Mixed.